0: I I don't O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Sunday, August 8th. It's hard to believe that we are nearly through the entire Bible in one year. During the week of September the 26th, in just about a month and a half away, we begin a new Torah reading cycle, beginning with sheet This will be year 3 of the daily audio Torah reading cycle. We will begin year 3 of reading through the entire Bible in one year. I love how we're able to do that and every single day we have something from the Old Testament, that is the Hebrew Scriptures. The New Testament, that is the Brit Hadashah. The Writings or the Prophets. A Psalm and a Proverb every day. It truly is a balanced diet. So keep on reading with me. Keep on studying with me. And let's get ready for a new cycle beginning in September. The other thing I want to point out to you is that the Fall Feasts are rapidly approaching. And we have the Day of Atonement. Well, first let's begin with Feast of Trumpets. And the Feast of Trumpets, this year on the calendar that I follow, is September the 9th. Roughly in that time. It's whenever the sighted moon in it is. And some people follow the sliver moon, some people follow the dark moon, whatever your local congregation does follow their lead. So we have the Feast of Trumpets or Yom Teruah. Then we have the Day of Atonement coming up. That would be uh, September 17th at sundown going into the 18th, which is a Shabbat, Day of Atonement or Yom Kippur, a day of fasting. It's the holiest day on the biblical calendar. It's when heaven's courts are open and when... um, we are to take time to repent and to prepare our hearts to get ready for the Feast of Tabernacles. And the Feast of Tabernacles, according to the calendar I follow, I I use Monte Judas calendar from Lion and Lamb Ministries. Um, The eve of Feast of Tabernacles is September the 22nd, and the first High Holy Day is September the 23rd, which is a Thursday. And it goes for an entire week all the way through to September 30th and then Simchat Torah is Friday, October 1st. I encourage you to find a congregation, a fellowship group that is going to be keeping the Feast of Tabernacles and I don't mean just setting up a sukkah in your backyard and you go sukkah schlepping from home to home to home. That's not really keeping the Feast of Tabernacles. I'm talking about you plan ahead and you take that week off from work, and you actually go camping out of the city. You go someplace with your local fellowship group, your mishpokah. Um There are many of them all over the United States and all over Europe, all over the world. Um, a really big one, probably the one that got it started, is Monte Judah's Sukkot, and you can find out more about that one if you go to lionandlamb.net, their website, and you can sign up, although I think the sign-up time is rapidly coming to a close. People go in tents, they go in RVs, they go in trailers. Um, it's, It's a fabulous Sukkot, and people from all over the country go to that one. It's in Oklahoma at Cowbell Lake. But there are many other Sukkot's all over the U.S. and it is a joyous time. It is the um, season of our joy. So I encourage you, get connected, go to a local Sukkot, and keep the Feast. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Brit Hadashah. And today we begin a new Torah portion, Shaftim, and it means judges. Deuteronomy 16:18-17:10. Appoint judges and officials for yourselves from each of your tribes in all the towns the Lord your God is giving you. They must judge the people fairly. You must never twist justice or show partiality. Never accept a bribe, for bribes blind the eyes of the wise and corrupt the decisions of the godly. Let true justice prevail, so that you may live and occupy the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You must never set up a wooden Asherah pole beside the altar you build for the Lord your God, and never set up sacred pillars for worship, for the Lord your God hates them. Never sacrifice sick or defective cattle, sheep, or goats to the Lord your God, for He detests such gifts. When you begin living in the towns the Lord your God is giving you, a man or woman among you might do evil in the sight of the Lord your God and violate the covenant. For instance, they might serve other gods or worship the sun, the moon, or any of the stars, the forces of heaven, which I have strictly forbidden. When you hear about it, investigate the matter thoroughly. If it is true that this detestable thing has been done in Israel, then the man or woman who has committed such an evil act must be taken to the gates of the town and stoned to death. But never put a person to death on the testimony of only one witness. There must always be two or three witnesses. The witnesses must throw the first stones, and then all the people may join in. In this way, you will purge the evil from among you. Suppose a case arises in a local court that is too hard for you to decide. For instance, whether someone is guilty of murder or only of manslaughter, or a difficult lawsuit, or a case involving different kinds of assault. Take such legal cases to the place the Lord your God will choose and present them to the Levitical priests or the judge on duty at that time. They will hear the case and declare the verdict. You must carry out the verdict they announce and the sentence they prescribe at the place the Lord chooses. You must do exactly what they say. Ezra 7, one eight twenty. Many years later, during the reign of King Artaxerxes of Persia, there was a man named Ezra. He was the son of Sariah, son of Azariah, son of Hilkiah, son of Shalom, son of Zadok, son of Ahitub, son of Amariah, son of Azariah, son of Merioth, son of Zerahiah, son of Uzi, son of Buki, son of Abishua, son of Phinehas, son of Eleazar, son of Aaron the high priest. This Ezra was a scribe who was well-versed in the law of Moses, which the Lord, the God of Israel, had given to the people of Israel. He came up to Jerusalem from Babylon, and the king gave him everything he asked for, because the gracious hand of the Lord his God was on him. Some of the people of Israel, as well as some of the priests, Levites, singers, gatekeepers, and temple servants traveled up to Jerusalem with him in the seventh year of King Artaxerxes' reign. Ezra arrived in Jerusalem in August of that year. He had arranged to leave Babylon on April the 8th, the first day of the new year, and he arrived at Jerusalem on August the 4th. For the gracious hand of his God was on him. This was because Ezra had determined to study and obey the Torah of Yahweh and to teach those decrees and regulations to the people of Israel. King Artaxerxes had given a copy of the following letter to Ezra, the priest and scribe who studied and taught the commands and decrees of the Lord to Israel. From Artaxerxes, the king of kings, to Ezra the priest, the teacher of the law of the God of heaven. Greetings. I decree that any of the people of Israel in my kingdom, including the priests and Levites, may volunteer to return to Jerusalem with you. I and my council of seven hereby instruct you to conduct an inquiry into the situation in Judah and Jerusalem based on your God's Torah, which is in your hand. We also commission you to take with you silver and gold, which we are freely presenting as an offering to the God of Israel who lives in Jerusalem. Furthermore, you are to take any silver and gold that you may obtain from the province of Babylon, as well as the voluntary offerings of the people and the priests that are presented for the temple of their God in Jerusalem. These donations are to be used specifically for the purchase of bulls, rams, male lambs, and the appropriate grain offerings and liquid offerings, all of which will be offered on the altar of the temple of your God in Jerusalem. Any silver and gold that is left over may be used in whatever way you and your colleagues feel is the will of your God. But as for the cups we are entrusting to you for the service of the temple of your God, deliver them all to the God of Israel. If you need anything else for your God's temple or for any similar needs, you may take it from the royal treasury. I, Artaxerxes the king, hereby send this decree to all the treasurers in the province west of the Euphrates River. You are to give Ezra, the priest and teacher of the Torah of the God of Heaven, whatever he requests of you. You are to give him up to 7,500 pounds of silver, 500 bushels of wheat, 550 gallons of wine, 550 gallons of olive oil, and an unlimited supply of salt. Be careful to provide whatever the God of Heaven demands for His temple. For why should we risk bringing God's anger against the realm of the king and his sons? I also decree that no priest, Levite, singer, gatekeeper, temple servant, or other worker in this temple of God will be required to pay tribute, customs, or tolls of any kind. And you, Ezra, are to use the wisdom your God has given you to appoint magistrates and judges who know your God's laws to govern all the people in the province west of the Euphrates River. Teach the Torah to anyone who does not know it. Anyone who refuses to obey the Torah of your God and the Torah of the King will be punished immediately, either by death, banishment, confiscation of goods, or imprisonment. Praise the Lord, the God of our ancestors, who made the king want to beautify the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem. And praise him for demonstrating such unfailing love to me by honoring me before the king, his council, and all his mighty nobles. I felt encouraged because the gracious hand of the Lord my God was on me, and I gathered some of the leaders of Israel to return with me to Jerusalem. Here is a list of the family leaders and the genealogies of those who came with me from Babylon during the reign of King Artaxerxes. From the family of Phineas, Gershom. From the family of Ithamar, Daniel. From the family of David, Hattush, a descendant of Shechaniah, From the family of Parosh, Zechariah, and 150 other men were registered. From the family of Pehath-Moab, Elihonai, son of Zariah, and two hundred other men. From the family of Zatu, Shekaniah, son of Jehaziel, and three hundred other men. From the family of Aden, Ebed, son of Jonathan, and fifty other men. From the family of Elam, Jeshiah, son of Athaliah, and seventy other men. From the family of Shabatiah, Zebadiah son of Michael, and eighty other men. From the family of Joab, Obadiah, son of Jehiel, and 218 other men. From the family of Bani, Shelemeth son of Josaphiah, and 160 other men. From the family of Babai, Zachariah son of Babai, and 28 other men. From the family of Asgad, Johanan, son of Hakatan, and 110 other men. From the family of Adonikam, who came later, Eliphelet, Jewel, Shemiah, and sixty other men, from the family of Bigvi, Uthai, Zachar, and seventy other men. I assembled the exiles at the Ahava Canal and we camped there for three days while I went over the lists of the people and the priests who had arrived. I found that not, not one Levite had volunteered to come along, so I sent for Eleazar. Ariel, Shemaiah, El Nathan, Jerob, El Nathan, Nathan, Zachariah, and Meshulam, who were leaders of the people. I also sent for Jorib, El Nathan, who were men of discernment. I sent them to Edo, the leader of the Levites at Casaphia, to ask him and his relatives and the temple servants, to send us ministers for the temple of God at Jerusalem. Since the gracious hand of our God was on us, they sent us a man named Sherebiah, along with eighteen of his sons and brothers. He was a very astute man and a descendant of Mali, who was a descendant of Levi, son of Israel. They also sent Hashabiah together with Joshiah from the descendants of Merari, and twenty of his sons and brothers, and 220 temple servants. The temple servants were assistants to the Levites, a group of temple workers first instituted by King David and his officials. They were all listed by name. 1 Corinthians 4 1-21 So look at Apollos and me, Paul, as mere servants of Yeshua who have been put in charge of explaining God's mysteries. Now a person, who is put in charge as a manager, must be faithful. As for me, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you, or by any human authority. I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. My conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove I'm right. It is the Lord Himself who will examine me and decide. So don't make judgments about anyone ahead of time before the Lord returns, for He will bring our darkest secrets to light and will reveal our private motives. Then God will give to each one whatever praise is due. Dear brothers and sisters, I have used Apollos and myself to illustrate what I have been saying. If you pay attention to what I have quoted from the Scriptures, You won't be proud of one of your leaders at the expense of another. For what gives you the right to make such a judgment? What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if everything you have is from God, why boast as though it were not a gift? You think you already have everything you need. You think you are already rich. You have begun to reign in God's kingdom without us. I wish you really were reigning already, for then we would be reigning with you instead i sometimes think god has put us apostles on display like prisoners of war at the end of a victor's parade condemned to die we have become a spectacle to the entire world to people and angels alike our dedication to yeshua makes us look like fools but you claim to be so wise in christ we are weak but you are so powerful you are honored But we are ridiculed. Even now, we go hungry and thirsty, and we don't have enough clothes to keep warm. We are often beaten and have no home. We work wearily with our hands to earn our living. We bless those who curse us. We are patient with those who abuse us. We appeal gently when evil things are said about us. Yet, we are treated like the world's garbage, like everybody's trash right up to the present moment. I am not writing these things to shame you, but to warn you as my beloved children. For even if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you have only one spiritual father. For I became your father in Yeshua when I preached the good news to you. So I urge you to imitate me. That's why I have sent Timothy, my beloved and faithful child, in the Lord. He will remind you of how I follow Yeshua, just as I teach in all the churches wherever I go. Some of you have become arrogant, thinking I will not visit you again. But I will come, and soon, if the Lord lets me. And then I'll find out whether these arrogant people just give pretentious speeches or whether they really have God's power. For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. Which do you choose? Should I come with a rod to punish you, or should I come with love and a gentle spirit? Psalm 30, 1-12 I will exalt you, Lord, for you rescued me. You refused to let my enemies triumph over me. O Lord my God, I cried to you for help, and you restored my health. You brought me up from the grave, O Lord. You kept me from falling into the pit of death. Sing to the Lord, all you godly ones. Praise his holy name, for his anger lasts only a moment but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. When I was prosperous, I said, Nothing can stop me now. Your favor, O Lord, made me as secure as a mountain. Then you turned away from me, and I was shattered. I cried out to you, O Yahweh, I begged the Lord for mercy, saying, What will you gain if I die, if I sink into the grave? Can my dust praise you? Can it tell of your faithfulness? Hear me, Lord, and have mercy on me. Help me, O Lord! You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy, that I might sing praises to you and not be silent. O Yahweh, my God, I will give you thanks forever. Proverbs 20, 28-30 Unfailing love and faithfulness protect the king. His throne is made secure through love. The glory of the young is their strength. The gray hair of experience is the splendor of the old. Physical punishment cleanses away evil. Such discipline purifies the heart. Today, I want to speak to you from our reading from Ezra chapter 7 and 8, and then we're going to jump into today's psalm, Psalm 30. And in Ezra chapter 7, it is written uh, in the decree from the king, King Artaxerxes of Persia. He says in his decree, verse 13, I decree that any of the people of Israel in my kingdom, including the priests and Levites, may volunteer to return to Jerusalem with you. He's saying this to Ezra. So they've been in exile and in captivity now for basically 70 years. Babylon has been conquered by Persia. And the new Persian king, Artaxerxes, is saying it's okay for you to return home. And uh, he's basically also commissioning Ezra to teach the people the Torah, to teach them the Bible. And he's commissioning him also to go back and build the temple, to rebuild the temple or to continue building the temple because uh, they had hit a pause button. Now, what I find absolutely phenomenal, and I've never seen this before, I never saw it before. In chapter 8, I'll start with verse 15. I I just was astounded. I assembled the exiles at the Ahava Canal, and we camped there for three days while I went over the lists of the people and priests who had arrived. Verse 16, I found that not one Levite had volunteered. To come along. Now, this is stunning. This would be a little bit like this. Let me make it more, uh, bring it back home to our own backyard. Right now, if you visit Israel, let's just set aside the pandemic. Let's just, for the moment, there's no pandemic, there's no coronavirus. You can travel freely, and let's just say you have $5,000 in savings sitting in the bank and it's enough to cover a trip for airfare and and travel expenses and lodging and everything. You've got the funds, you've got the means, and there's no coronavirus roadblocks preventing you from being able to travel. Right now, if you were to go to Israel as a tourist, you can be there for up to 90 days and then you have to leave. Unless you are Jewish and you're going to make Aliyah, and you're going to live in the land as an Orthodox Jew, you cannot live there. You can visit. You can come in as a tourist. Okay? But if you are Jewish and you can prove that you're Jewish uh, through lineage and you're an Orthodox Jew, you um, can't be a believer in Yeshua the Messiah, then you can make Aliyah. Okay? But let's just say now that. Um the Ministry of Immigration or whatever governmental organization it is that makes these rules about who can live in Israel and who cannot, they make a big change. And they say, you don't have to be an Orthodox Jew to make Aliyah. Um, you can believe in Yeshua the Messiah. Um, and if, if you want to come on home, we invite you to come home to Israel. Now, that would be huge. That would be a major shift in policy. Lots and lots of Christians from all different streams and denominations love Israel. And they love going there and visiting. And they have many different ministries there. But if unless you're Jewish, you can't stay. You can only be there 90 days. So now, a new decree. That would be like the decree from King Artaxerxes. Uh, hey, fellow Christians. Those of you who are not Jewish, but who love the God of Israel, who love the land of Israel and the people of Israel, you can come home. How many people would actually leave, would actually make Aliyah and immigrate to the land of Israel? Maybe 10%. Maybe 5%. Maybe. 1%, why wouldn't there be a huge inrush to move to Israel? Well, we get comfortable. We are living in exile. This is not our home. We are pilgrims. We are strangers passing through. Ultimately, our ultimate destination is the land of Israel, and it is Jerusalem. That is where Yeshua is going to rule and reign for 1,000 years. So, if the Lord made a way and orchestrated in such a way that it's okay to go home now, you don't have to wait until the tribulation period, you don't have to wait for the greater exodus, I want you to go home now. Um, What prevents us and stops us from going? Well, we have a lot of roots, we have family. We have spouses and children and grandchildren. We have jobs. We have mortgages. All those things that keep us rooted where we are. The same thing can be said of the Jews today. Many of the secular Jews who still live in New York and San Diego and L.A. and San Francisco and all over the, the world, uh, they don't leave until or unless there is severe persecution. And lately there has been a huge wave of Jews leaving France because of the severe persecution that's going on there. People get very comfortable. We get comfortable in our Egypt, don't we? And we're not really ready to pick up and leave until there's fire under our feet. So I guess I bring this up because the lesson we can learn from this is the following. We don't want to get too comfortable in our Babylon, in our Egypt, in the place where we are now. We are pilgrims just passing through, and we need to travel lightly. We want to keep our roots shallow, because there may come a day in the not-too-far-distant future when there will be severe persecution When there will be war going on, I mean a military hot war, and we will have to flee as refugees. When the day comes of the greater exodus, when it is time to go and he whistles for us and it's time to leave and follow the cloud by day and the pillar of the fire by night. Will we be willing and ready to obey and do it? This is one reason why we do Sukkot every year. It's a practice. It's a rehearsal. But one day it will not be a rehearsal. It's a, What are we rehearsing? We're rehearsing leaving our comfortable homes, our usual normal lifestyle, and we live out in the wilderness for a whole week. We become a temporary community out in the wilderness. And we're camping in RVs, trailers, tents. What have you, and we're out of the cities and we're out of our comfort zone, and we are practicing because there will come a day when it won't be practice, it will be the real deal. Um, So, I just want to encourage you to be thinking about that. Would you be like one of those Levites that, when they were offered the opportunity to return home? To go back and do temple service, not one Levite volunteered. They had to go looking for some Levites who could come back and function in the role of doing the temple service. Let us be ready to go when it is time to go. Let us not sink our roots too deeply. Okay, I want to take a look at Psalm 30. And there's a couple of verses in this psalm that are just my favorites. And I'll start with verse 4. Sing to the Lord, all you godly ones. Praise His holy name. For His anger lasts only a moment, but His favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. So many, many people throughout the world, many believers, are going through a nighttime season in their life. There's a lot of weeping and sorrow and grief. Going through this coronavirus pandemic is difficult, being locked down, Being quarantined, not being able to travel freely, not being able to get in your car and just go and see family or see friends or go to a birthday party or a wedding, losing a job, almost like being a prisoner in your own home, struggling financially. Weeping may endure for a night. Many of us are going through that nighttime season and there is weeping, and the Lord sees. He sees your tears that are privately shed in the closet of the night. But joy comes with the morning. So we endure through the night season and we know that the night does not last forever, but in the morning the sun rises. And that's both the S U N and the S O N. The sun rises in our hearts. So I speak joy over you this day. I speak the joy of the Lord over you this day that has nothing to do with your circumstances, but has everything to do with who he is. May he put his favor upon you. May he embrace you. May he comfort you. May he give you hope and encouragement. Verse 11, you have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy, that I might sing praises to you and not be silent. And there's a time to worship him and to dance before him, even during the night. To put on that worship music and in the privacy of your living room, To whirl and twirl and dance before him, even before you see the breakthrough, even before you see the sun rise, to worship him in the midst of the night because of who he is. Have a blessed day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Adonai do na ha Adonai anavilaka muraka Yeah. Mm-hmm.